You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and today, why don't we break down Jimbo Fisher's recent comments on what he said about Nick Saban. Naturally, of course, the ideal is to beat the GOAT in the SEC, but it's almost now like a promise that Fisher is going to get the job done in 2021. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast. Join host Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak as they recap and analyze every pick for the 2021 NFL Draft and look ahead to next year's future first-round picks. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. As always, make sure you're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout-out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked On Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th May related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify. If you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So I want to start the show off today with something a little bit more positive, but it it just doesn't feel right to do. It doesn't. Um, Unfortunately, when you work in this business, you have to be an unbiased reporter. And I know on this podcast, you want as much positive praise with Texas A&M as possible. And I try to do that every single time I put my mouth next to the microphone and I speak up. But from a journalistic side and also from being a raised Texan, somebody who has spent a majority of his life in the Lone Star State, I still have ties to almost every college football program in this area. That includes Baylor. That includes TCU. That includes Texas A&M. That includes SMU. And it includes Texas. And unfortunately, the Longhorns had one of the saddest days in recent memory due to the tragic passing of Longhorn linebacker Jake Ellinger. Texas linebacker Jake Ellinger, the 20-year-old younger brother of former Longhorn quarterback Sam Ellinger, was found dead Thursday, according to the police, in Austin, Texas. The APD received its uh, call at 12.18 local time and responded to the 1,200 block of West 22nd Street, a residential area just west of the Texas A&M campus, to identify the individual as Jake Ellinger, who was a registered sophomore. No cause of death as of right now has been related, but this was not considered suspicious. This loss is another tragedy for the Ellinger family, as if anyone knows the story of Sam Ellinger and why he plays for Texas and why his legacy is so cemented in the program, it's because of his father, Ross, who died in 2013 during a triathlon in San Francisco when he suffered a heart attack at the age of 46. They both dreamed of playing for Texas in honor of their dad. And what's really sad about this entire story more than anything else is Sam Ellinger, the quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the Longhorn program, was seen on Saturday celebrating and hugging his brother, Jake, while his brother Jake's photo actually appeared on NFL Network. When it appeared there, 
to say, hey, Sam got drafted. Nope, that's Jake. He's next in line. It's a heartbreaking moment. It's a, it's an absolute gut punch to the family who has already lost so much and had a sliver of hope and a light at the end of a tunnel be granted Saturday afternoon when Sam Ellinger picked up a phone from GM Chris Ballard of the Indianapolis Colts and said, hey, guess what? You're coming to the NFL. He got his opportunity. And there was a video of Sam hugging his brother, his sister, his mother, Jenna, all after he was announced he was going to be going to the Indianapolis Colts. It's an absolute tragedy. Not for anything other than the fact of, just imagine one of the happiest moments and a week later, one of the saddest moments occur in your life. This is bigger than football. This is bigger than a rivalry that some people still consider to be one of the best in the entire country and others have completely forgotten about. This is bigger than anything out there for anyone who has lost a family member. But more than that, this is about Sam, who has already seen enough trauma before he is 22 years old. And has to now play twice as hard to make sure that one, he remains on an NFL roster, but two, he keeps the legacy of his dad and his brother alive. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm not a Barstool person. I don't think Barstool is good. I don't think Barstool is funny. I don't think there's anything positive about Barstool. Until yesterday, when Barstool Texas A&M and Barstool Oklahoma, the two biggest rivals in the history of the Longhorn program, changed their Twitter header to Jake Ellinger running out of the tunnel with the American flag. They put down the disdain and disgust that comes with the bloodbath of these two programs and mourned a young, hopefully up-and-coming kid with a bright future's death all together. As a community. And Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork released a statement on behalf of the university sending their thoughts out to the Texas community. Prayers go out to the Ellinger family and the University of Texas community. Everyone with the 12th man's sends our condolences. He added two uh, prayer emojis. Anybody who understands what this game means to this state also understands how this game brings people together. In so many ways, the game of football is a starting point. It's an ending point. It creates rivalries. It creates conversations. And every weekend throughout the entire months of, I would say, August through January, and sometimes even after that, all you talk about is college football. Saturday afternoons are filled with friends meeting up. And even though they don't play in the same conference anymore, you still have fans watching in the maroon and white jerseys and the burnt orange jerseys inside of bars, inside of clubs, inside of an apartment. They double screen it so both parties make make their day. It happens with every single sport. But in Texas, it's a lot different. Some of my best friends to this day, I grew up playing football with. 
Some of them I also just knew through other schools because they played football. I built a relationship with so many people because of my memories of playing the game. And for Ellinger and for the Ellinger family, Locked On Aggies, and I would definitely say the entire Locked On podcast family is thinking of you today. This is bigger than just A&M. Hook them from our entire Locked On Aggies podcast family. Well, it's time to make a bet this upcoming offseason. Go ahead and make the bet at the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag gives you the best buyouts, the best bets, and the best numbers every single day. You follow them on social media at BetOnline underscore AG. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get to the action. When you use the promo code LOCKEDON, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the action, talking all things Texas A&M. So today's podcast is basically going to be talking about some comments made by Jimbo Fisher. Some are good, some are bad, some are about some players, some are about some positional groups. But there's one comment that sticks out more than anything else. And that is, of course, the one thing he said about beating Nick Saban. Let's get one thing off the record real fast. Anybody, any single season has the opportunity to beat Nick Saban. It's happened a lot. It's happened with players and teams that people never could believe. Dabo Sweeney found a way to beat Nick Saban. You had Bob Stoops beat Nick Saban. You also had, and I can't believe this one, Gus Malzahn as an offensive coordinator and as a head coach. Take down Nick Saban. Do you know who has never beaten Nick Saban? Any single person who has ever learned from Nick Saban. Every single assistant head coach has suffered a loss at the master. And the entire repertoire and the entire enigma with these former coaches who learned underneath one of, if not the greatest coach to ever grace college football is can I beat him? Who will be the first assistant to beat Nick Saban? And you look at the SEC, it's loaded. And I mean loaded with teams that are coached by former Saban assistants. Why? Pretty simple. Because they're trying to beat Alabama. Let's just break this down. You have you already know, one, Jimbo Fisher. Former offense coordinator at LSU during their run in 2003 with the Tigers. He then went on to become the head coach of Florida State. Then he goes over to Texas A&M. In the times that he has been up against Nick Saban, he is 0-4. He has that loss in 2017. Yeah, in 2017 with Florida State when he was the head coach, final season there. After that, 0-3 at Texas A&M against the Crimson Tide. How about Lane Kiffin? One of the more polarizing characters in the realm of college football. Been a head coach. Then struggled as a head coach. Then went to the NFL. Then went back to college. Left Tennessee in the middle of the night. Went to USC. Struggled. Became the OC. Helped Alabama once again regain its gloriness. Went to Florida Atlantic. Now is the head coach at Ole Miss. He's 0-1 against Alabama. And he even commented on it. Here we go again. Crap, 
calling out the GOAT in the middle of another championship. Good luck, Alabama football. Just went on the wall in the weight room of T-Town. Before this past season, Will Muschamp, South Carolina, and Florida never could get the win. Never could get over it. Another guy who was there, Derek Dooley at uh, Tennessee, never could get the win. Jim McElwain, guess what? Never got the win at Florida either. You also had Jeremy Pruitt, former Tennessee head coach, went 0-2. Kirby Smart, the defensive coordinator and the one name out there who at least, I think, has an argument because of how many times he's had to play Saban due to his success at Georgia. Since becoming the head coach at Georgia, they have been the most consistent team. I have no doubt in my mind that once again, Georgia is in that conversation. But the real battle comes down to two names this year, for sure. If anybody, anybody is going to beat Nick Saban in 2021, it is either Texas A&M on October 9th at Kyle Field in College Station, or it will be Georgia back again in Atlanta for the SEC Championship. That's it. But Saban commented on it, as he should. Your name gets brought up in a conversation, you're going to bring it up. You're going to make a joke about it. Jimbo Fisher says, I'm going to beat Nick Saban this year. In what? Golf? All right. The line's been crossed. Sword's drawn. This is the first time in a while if you truly believe this and you are a true AM fan, you can sit here and say, you know what? You're right. I now have to beat Nick Saban because I'm not sure I'm ever going to get a roster like this again. With the way college football is transforming, and on top of all that, with Nick Saban now being 70, 70, how many more years do you have to beat this guy? How many more? Two? Three? If you're lucky, four. There's no way he's coaching as long as Joe Pa did. He will be gone, I would say, within the next five years. And everybody then says, well, you know what? Then it becomes who's the next Alabama. Why don't you start that battle now with the team you have ahead? Jimbo Fisher has built this team, finally, into an era where AM fans are starting to see why this 10-year deal was so important. It took three years to build the roster in his image. It took two years for the offense to finally understand his concept. And it took one year for it all to click together to where they actually were a top 10 team. Not this overhyped top 10, but a legitimate top 10 team. Where week in and week out, you saw Texas A&M. They played top 10 football. They acted like a top 10 team. They beat their opponents and they found ways to win close games, closing out games on a positive note. There was two games this entire season where you could have had doubts about Texas A&M. The very first one was in week two when they lost to Alabama by 28 points. The second is all that progress and promotion that you saw from Kellen Mond went down the drain against LSU, but they still got a 20-7 win. Besides those two games, there was not a bad game by AM. They closed out strong against Florida. They made big-time plays to keep their advantage, and they eventually got down the field to make a game-winning kick by Seth Small. 
That's what good teams do. That's why Alabama is where Alabama is and why no other team is near it. You have to realize that since 2017, this has hung over Fisher's head. This has been the storyline that has separated Fisher from everyone else. Not the fact that he has finished 9-1 last season and not the fact that he had the highest rated finish by the AP polls since 1939, the last time Texas A&M won a national title. These comments, you don't throw them out there if you're not ready to go to battle. And let's be real, there has not been a moment more than when A&M is ready to go to battle. Alabama replaces talent every year. The difference is, is that nobody knows what's going to happen with this new OC. Let's explain that for a second. This new OC... The one that just got hired? Well, let's just break this down. It's Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien has worked at the NFL level. He has worked at the college level. Here's the reality of it. He has never worked with a quarterback like Bryce Young. And yeah, Deshaun Watson is one who's a dual threat guy. No, this is a completely different entity. This is what the new dual threat is actually going to be. You're replacing the most important position and you're replacing the guy calling the shots in Steve Sarkeesian. If Sark was here, on this roster, he was still the OC, I would 100% be like, you know what? You overstepped, Jimbo. You overstepped. But Sark's gone. So is Mac Jones. So is Tua. Bryce Young, he is still very much an anomaly. I have no idea what to make of him. You want to know what else I don't know what to make of? Haynes King, Zach Calzada. You are the most important position that has not been decided by either team up for grabs. What does this entail? Really simple, if you want my honest answer. All it means to me is that you have a fair court. Nobody has the advantage right now because nobody has the quarterback figured out. If one team knew going into next season, yep, we have a guy who has started, he's played a significant amount of snaps and understands how this office is going to work, great. You don't have that. You don't have it in College Station. You don't have it in Tuscaloosa. But we have wide receivers. We have tons and tons of weapons. You want to know what else you have? You have a top 10 defense basically returning every single starter for Mike Elko. Yeah, those weapons, yeah, they're going to be really effective against a single team that is basically returning their entire defense and finished top 10 last season. Just outside the top 10. My bad. The expectations are so much higher this year. You want to actually stand up and be the big boy. You want to actually be a part of this situation. You actually want to show you are the next Alabama. Because that's what this is all about. Every SEC coordinator who worked underneath Nick Saban. So Kirby Smart, Jimbo Fisher, and right now Lane Kiffin are the three. All of you want to show I'm the next Alabama. When he's gone, I'm Alabama 2.0. I'm the team you're going to have to run through through the SEC. That's what all this is about. And it can end tomorrow if you want. But this is the reality of it, Jimbo Fisher. You opened the door when those words left your mouth. And I'm saying this not as an alum of Alabama. I'm saying this as someone who's covered college football and watched people say, we want Bama, and then they go, oh no, we didn't. Nobody is going to care if you win or lose this game. The hope is that you win this game. 
Everyone wants to win this game. And yeah, you're going to prep for the other six games ahead. The thing that's going to matter more than anything else is the final score. Is it going to be a loss by three or is it going to be a loss by 33? Is it going to be a win by one or is it going to be a win by 28? This is not about just beating Nick Saban. Because the hope is you beat Nick Saban. But A&M has lost games to Alabama under Jimbo Fisher. They haven't just been beaten by Alabama. They've lost games in Alabama. Lost games. Time to step up. I believe that right now, if you're looking at it, there are two teams for sure in the running to become the next Alabama. One is Georgia. One is Texas A&M. They are the top two schools to look for if you're looking to be the next team to beat Alabama and be Alabama. It starts in 2021. For Georgia, it starts because if you have the right guy in JT Daniels under center. For AM, it's because you have the defense coming back. The second you do that, the second you take down Alabama, Ed Orgeron took down Alabama, and Gus Malzahn, who's now at the Funhouse, took down Alabama. The second you take down Alabama, the second you do that, you're going to be taken seriously. And there's a reason why people aren't mentioning Georgia and AM in that same category as the Clemsons of the world and the Ohio States. It's not because of recruiting. It's because they need to get past the big dog. That big dog is Nick Saban. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Built Bar has 18 variety flavors, so every single day you can have a brand new bar that's more so like a candy bar than anything else because it's covered in 100% real chocolate and the bars are soft and easy to chew. They're great for somebody who's on the keto diet or looking to lose or maintain their weight because they're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber, and every single morning I start my day off with a peanut butter protein bar. Why? 19 grams of protein, 130 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. There's not a product like this out on the shelves for me. When you go visit BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next purchase. That's LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. If you give me just 25 minutes of your day, all I'm asking for is 25 minutes, I will get you caught up every single thing you need to know about the sport of Okay, so I know this joke gets old, but I'm not going to be the guy doing it. Peter Bukowski and the Locked On Today podcast will join Peter and his staff as they break down all major sporting news in 25 minutes or less. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. So Jimbo Fisher did make the big comment about Nick Saban, but there was more things he did say this past week. He talked a lot about DeMond Demas, and this is a big deal because DeMond is a guy that everyone wants to see break out into the next superstar at Texas A&M. The biggest thing was, is that during his spring, nobody was able to see if DeMond was actually going to be that guy. And then a concussion during practice cost him the maroon and white game. So when finally asked about, um, you know, what he, what was, you know, possible, they waited. But during the Houston touchdown club, Texas A&M coaches night on Wednesday, They were asked about the wide receiver and Fisher said that he has come a long way and that he only did not play because of a big time hit knocked him out before the start of the spring game. 
he had a concussion, so he wasn't able to practice. But, overall, they thought that he was actually one of the biggest risers in spring. So, for anyone out there who is questioning his status moving forward, I wouldn't worry about it. Now, again, I'm not sure he's ever going to live up to that five-star potential because of, to be frank, so few people do. Like, so few people actually do. But, I think it's still too early to give up on him as being the potential number one. According to everything Fisher has said, good spring, looking forward to having him back this summer, looking forward for him to be coming a part of this internal part of the offense. It's all positive signs. It's just, he didn't play in the maroon and white game, so we're quick to suspicion because of everything that happened. However... There is somebody who won't be returning to Texas A&M. That's Chris Morris, the former left tackle who joined the team in the 2020 class. The former four-star from Arkansas has elected to transfer. Uh, you know, it's not official yet, but the thing is, is that he is no longer with the program. Fisher said that. And they are looking at his options for him to probably transfer. So something must have happened. And we all know that he was arrested in December and he wasn't a part of the staff uh, for the Orange Bowl this past year. Plus, on top of all that, he didn't play against um, any team this year. He had zero snaps. So we know that that's going to be a hold. Right now, we know the offensive line is probably the weakest point of the offense, even though wide receiver still is up there. But Kenyon Green is now the left tackle. And the question will be, who will be starting at the other positions? According to Brent Zimmerman of the Houston Chronicle, Aki Ogunaibi seems to be starting at left guard. Luke Matthews is the center, and that was very much expected. Uh, Blake Trainer and Jameer Johnson are battling it out for the right tackle role, and freshman Layden Robinson seems to be playing right guard. So, of the guys that I mentioned, uh, I got three right. I said Jameer was going to be a guy to watch for at right tackle. I knew Kenyon was going to be the guy I looked for at left tackle, and I said Luke was going to be the guy at center. Aki Ogumbini and uh, Layden Robinson are two definitely ones I didn't have. I thought Josh Bankhead was going to win out the battle. And I don't remember who I said. I think I said Morris was going to be playing that guard position to take over for Kenyon Green in his junior year, but that's no longer the case. So at least we kind of have an idea of where Texas A&M's offense is. I don't really know. There's a lot to really break down about this team and where they're headed going into the summer months. And right now, I would say there's a positive sign. Definitely not a negative one. But there still are a lot of questions that need to be answered. And it's not just the battle under quarterback. There's a lot more before September 4th when they face off against Kent State in week one. That's good for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. We'll be back on Monday to talk all things about Texas A&M. Probably get a look at going into the spring where Texas A&M ranks in the top 25 you know, consensus rankings and where I think that there needs to be some improvement. See you on Monday. And remember, kick them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.